Welcome to Encompass Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us today. To share your story of what God has been doing in you and through you, take a moment to email us at amen at encompass.org.au. Enjoy today's message. Merry Christmas. Thank, thank you to the kids team who put that together. We love having the kids in with us today. So how will we respond to Jesus? How do we, how will we respond to Jesus today? Today, I just want to spend a few minutes uh, for the rest of the time that we have, just looking a little bit more closely at the point of view of the wise men. So would you turn to Matthew chapter 2? And while you're doing that, it's going to be on the screen as well, but while you do that, um, recently I was having a conversation with my uh, daughter And it was one of those conversations where, again, she's trying to make sense of the fact that mummy and daddy didn't always live together, that there was a time when we lived in different houses and we had different mummies and daddies. And and then one day we left our mummies and daddies and we got married and we then lived in together. We moved in together. And after trying to explain this to her, uh, she surprised me by, by asking but mummy, where was I when you and daddy got married? Was Nonna looking after me at your wedding? And I said to her, no, no, darling, you weren't born yet. You didn't exist yet. And her little mind, just she's, she's just turned four, she couldn't comprehend that there has been a time or a world where she has not existed and being the centre of the world, you know. She just couldn't comprehend that. You see, none of us have always existed. Our birth was the beginning of our life. And yet, Jesus' birth was not his beginning. He was a baby, but he was never just a baby. But he was a baby. And so, sometimes we don't know what to do with baby Jesus. What do we do with baby Jesus? I mean, Easter, Jesus' death and resurrection, we know we need to take that a bit more seriously. That's a bit more heavy. But Jesus' birth, what do we do with that? You know, is it just a, a cute and fluffy holiday? Is it just all the, all the fun and fluffy things that we do to make it fun? Do we need to wait for Easter to find more meaning in the story? Or can we find something more profound and something deeply meaningful in the Christmas story of how we respond to Jesus? Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 58, he says, Before Abraham was, I I am. And he was saying, Before the beginning of time, I existed and I was God. I was the Son of God. And then as soon as he came into our world as a baby, people began to worship him. And so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 1. It says, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, uh, Magi from the east, so wise men is another term we use, Uh, From the east, we we think they're probably from Persia, okay? That's what they they say. They arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he? Okay, they didn't know exactly where he was. They said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him. 
When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For from you will come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went on ahead of them until it came to a stop over the place where the child was to be found." When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after they had come into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And after being warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. And you skip to verse 16, it says, Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and he sent men and killed all the boys who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity who were two years old or under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. The story of the wise men shows us that Jesus is and has always been worthy of our worship, that he is worthy of it all. And that's what I want to speak about today, that Jesus is worthy of it all. And so let's look at the kind of worship that Jesus is worthy of. Number one, Jesus is worthy of our expectant worship, our our worship that comes with faith. Now, there is a lot that we don't know about the shepherds. We don't know how many there were. We don't know their names. We don't know their means of travel. But here's what we know about them. We know that they were skilled in astronomy, astrology, in natural science. They were sorcerers. They were magicians. They could interpret dreams. And they were intelligent. And because of this extensive intelligence... They rose to be the most prominent, powerful, wealthy advisors in the Babylonian Empire. They had the appearance and the demeanor of royalty. That's why people refer to them sometimes as kings. They were as powerful, maybe second just to the kings. And so these men, these men of such prestige and wealth and intelligence traveled for maybe... Uh, around a thousand miles, at, it could have been up from three months all the way to 12 months, they were traveling to find this king. This is one of the many surprises of the gospel that God would set this up. But then God is the God of surprises, He breaks the barriers. And so here we have these men who weren't Jewish, and yet God speaks. To them, he speaks in a language that they could understand. He speaks to them through a star. Now, we don't know what that really, no one really knows what that star meant. 
But to them, as astrologers and astronomers, it meant something to them. And so it meant something to them and they responded to God. They didn't know the God in the Bible. And maybe today you don't know the God of the Bible. But there is something within us that, that, that has a hunger for the supernatural. We, have, we were born with it. We have a capacity for it. And I was reading uh, from historians that, from three different ones, that lived and wrote about this, this specific time before G, uh, Christ came. And they said that, that during this time before Christ, there was this widespread expectation. There was this growing feeling, this almost like prophetic um, expectation amongst believers. And some of these historians weren't even believers, that, that something was about to happen. There was this, this prophetic feeling that, that there was going to be, and specifically a ruler was going to come out of Judea and be this unprecedented king and deliverer. And it matched what was happening, uh, the prophecies in the book of Daniel. And so time was getting ready. It was getting ready, not just for believers, but for unbelievers as well. And so there's this growing sense of awareness that something's happening. And despite their paganism, despite their magic, their sorcery, when God's light was revealed to them, they responded. They responded to it. And so the wise men were expectant because they recognized his worth. Now, if you have ever sold your house before, you may have done something called evaluation. It's where you invite an appraiser into your home and they look at your home and, and they look at um, the, the area, the neighborhood, they look at the age of the home, the condition of the home, they look at changes or upgrades you've made, they look at places where maybe neglect has brought deterioration. And so they take all this data and, and they take it and, and they make an estimate of what they believe your property is worth. In worship, something like this comes into play. Because God has invited each of us to assess his worth. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because he knows that when we experience him, that we will see that he is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our worship. And so these wise men, they don't come to receive a gift from the king. It says they came to worship him. Their worship was pure. It wasn't, I worship you because of what you can give to me. It's, I worship you because of who you are. It was a recognition of his worth. And that is the true catalyst for all true worship. Anything else is actually a form of manipulation. I'll come and worship. I'll come to church today because I hope that God will give me what I want. He'll give me the life that I want. But that's a form of manipulation. It's not true worship. It's a, true, it's a recognition of his worth that is the true catalyst. And these men, they, say, they, they didn't say, oh, one day he's going to become king. They said he was born king. He was born a king. They knew he was worthy. Now let's have a look at how Herod responded in verse 3, it says that King Herod was troubled. He was fearful. He was anxious. Herod resisted Jesus because he wanted to retain control and power over his own life. He alone wanted to be king. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, well, fortunately, unfortunately, 
Herod is probably a little more relatable than we would like him to be. Because when Jesus shows up in our life as king, our human heart wants to resist him. Because we alone want to be on the throne of our life. We want to call the shots. We want to make God do our bidding. We want to, our heart resists faith. It resists trusting. We crave control. We crave knowing. But the wise men, when God showed up as king in their life, they yielded to his agenda. They, they, they surrendered control. They surrendered their power to him. We, they allowed God to interrupt their whole life. Now, sometimes we see it on, on the TV, uh, you know, movies and stuff that, that it looks like the men were following the star, but it actually doesn't say that. The star appeared, went away, and then came back just before they found Jesus. So these men had to take a step of faith. They didn't have, in the gap of, 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 of seeing the star the first time and then seeing it again, it would have been months. And so they didn't have all the answers, but they trusted God. They trusted him. Jeremiah 29 verse 13, it said, The Lord declares, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. You will find me. Is your heart open and trusting and looking for the presence of God? Or do you find that even in this season that your heart is resisting, resisting him as king, resisting his authority in your life? Today is a perfect opportunity to surrender again and then take that step of faith and surrendering to the king. Now let's look at the religious leaders. They knew how to point to Jesus. They knew where he was. They said, he's in Bethlehem, go over there. That's where he is. But they didn't want to go to him themselves. They ignored him because they wouldn't admit their need for him. You see, they had all this head knowledge about him, but this head knowledge they had didn't lead them to worship him, to need him, whereas the wise men humbly Despite who they were, despite how, how their status, it didn't stop them from humbly coming before the king. You see, whether we admit it or not, we will always, we will never arrive at not needing him. We will never arrive at not needing Jesus because we will always live with an ability to fail, an ability to sin. We live with limitation. We live with weakness. And so we are invited to draw near to him. Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Your time of need is coming because you will never be wise enough. You will never be wealthy enough. You will never be powerful enough. And so we need his grace and his mercy we are invited to draw near. So the Magi, Magi, they were the wisest men in all the land, the most prestigious guest. They traveled the furthest. They traveled the furthest to draw near because they knew his worth and they knew their need for him. Number two, the wise men show us that Jesus is worthy of our expressive worship. Expressive worship. In verse 10, it says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. 
Now, the writer could have just said they rejoiced. But the, the writer is piling on the superlatives, piling on the exaggerated language so that we get it. Okay, we, we get it. They were more than just a little bit excited. They weren't just thinking happy thoughts. These men, these dignified, these serious men were going wild. As they are drawing closer to the king, their hearts are exhilarated and they are ecstatic. It wasn't a personality thing. Psalm 103 verse 1, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. When was the last time you worshipped God with all that was within you? Not caring or conscious of what others would think. I think we need to do it more often. And now they're face to face with Jesus and it says, After they came into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And something must have been so glorious about this encounter that it says they fell down and worshipped him. Notice that they're not in a manger and it wasn't a baby. It says nine times it was a child. So here's a picture that you can see that, that maybe uh, shows us what it would have been like. And this is my daughter, Amara, and she is 21 months old, the age that we, that we believe that Jesus may have been when the wise men found him. And so think about these prestigious guests, wealthy, intelligent guests, travel halfway around the world, go to a house and they see a toddler who can't speak yet, who can't do anything impressive yet. And it says when they found him, they fell down. It doesn't say that he bowed, they bowed down. It says they fell down. And this means that they fell violently, that they were shattered. They were shattered in the, in the presence of a toddler. They were shattered in the presence of God. And the Bible says that one day, everyone and everything will bow down and will kneel down before God. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I want you to understand that this was not a fluffy, cute experience. They were shattered. Everything that meant something about who they were, what they had done, it meant nothing. It meant nothing in the presence of Jesus, of the King. He hadn't done anything yet. He couldn't even talk yet. And he was worthy to be worshipped. He was worthy of their adoration. Now, I am not a very demonstrative type person. I am not the life of the party. If you see me at a party, I'm probably sitting down somewhere. And I found it really hard to, to worship God when I first came to Christ. But when God really grabbed a hold of my life, it came to a point where I just couldn't contain my composure. I just couldn't not worship him. It's not my personality to, to be out there and to express. But when you experience 
the ongoing goodness of God, you can't not. <laughs> and I pray, and I, and I even now, I, I've said to people that, you know, my journey is that I pray God would give me even more courage to express my worship and adoration to Him because He is worthy. It doesn't slowly fade off as we experience His ongoing taste and see that the Lord is good. Our worship grows in expression. Our physical bodies were made to worship Him. The Bible says to clap, to sing, to shout, to dance, to bow, to lift up hands. He is worthy of it all. This is not denominational. This is not Pentecostal. This is not personality. This is biblical worship because he is worthy. And lastly, and and if I can invite the worship team to come up, we're going to close really soon. In verse 11, it says, They opened their treasures and presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Jesus is worthy of our extravagant worship. These men gave gifts that were fit for a king. And and it reminds me of the woman who came to Jesus with that expensive perfume. And she came and and she poured it all out over him. And everyone else ridiculed her and, and said she was being wasteful. But Jesus saw it as extravagant. You see, we cannot separate our worship and our giving. For when the wise men saw him, they opened and emptied their gifts before him, their treasure, they bought it before him. It's astonishing. They saw, they knew who he was. They weren't from faith. Yet when his light was revealed, they responded to him. Today, do you recognize who he truly is? Oh, that our hearts would be open to encountering who he truly is. Oh, that our hearts would receive him as king over all. That we would lay down all that we have, all that we think, and lay it down and fall at the feet of Jesus. Because it isn't just a child or a baby that we see today or that they saw that day. He was born King. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And who He is demands all of us, demands the best from us because He is worthy of it all. Why don't you close your eyes? I want to give an invitation today because there is an invitation that goes out to all to recognise His worth, to see Jesus as King. Today you are invited into relationship with Jesus. Maybe you have never invited Jesus into your life to be your Lord and your Saviour. But today, something has changed. God is revealing to you His light. He is showing you His worth. And today, you want to take that step of faith. We're all going to say a prayer together, a prayer that is turning to Jesus, making Him King over our life. 
All of us are going to say it, but for some of you, this is going to be the first time you're going to say and mean this prayer, a prayer that is inviting Jesus into your life. So would you repeat this prayer after me? God, today I recognise who you are. You are king and you are worthy. Today I draw near because I need your grace and mercy. Lord, forgive my sin. Make me new. Today I choose you. Thank you for choosing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Encompass Church. If today's message has impacted you and you want to give your life to Jesus, if you need prayer or if you want to get connected to the church, please contact us at office at encompass.org.au. Never miss a moment by following us online. Search for Encompass Church on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.